0: Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church podcast. To hear more sermons and to find out more about our church, please visit sugarhillchurch.com. Hey, we're so glad that you're here. Thank you, Becca. That was beautiful. I love that song, by the way. Me too. Yeah, it was really cool. Did, Did you get the gist of every song we sang today connected to the concept of being called? Calling. You know, we we are in this series, as Bobby mentioned, about likewise, and we've been trying to walk through a series of spiritual disciplines that give us this ability to be able to walk with, rest in, rely on the presence, the power, and the peace of Christ. So we've we've talked a little bit about things like prayer, and we've talked about worship, but today we get to this concept of calling. And when Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ, part of that is this recognition that Each of us have been called. Now, now, in many cases, most of us, especially in this western side of the world, we have this perspective that if you have reverend in front of your name or you have missionary attached to your title, that's what calling is all about. But the fact of the matter is, each of you, God has an extraordinary plan for your life. Now, in in most of our cases, what we discover is that everybody around us has a plan for our life and our, our desire is to strive to please them. But God may have a plan for your life that has nothing to do with him other than for them to be blessed by what he wants to do in your life. And so we discover that there is a process that God puts us on to discover what he has called us to be, what he has called us to do, and what he has called us to act like. And so in that process, we want to take a look at how would I get there? How could I know that God is calling me? How could I know God is using me in this extraordinary way? My friend Henry Blackaby, who many of you have been praying for and is at home now and resting and doing much better, he made this statement and I thought it was brilliant in regard to calling. He said, calling is God's invitation to join him in accomplishing his purpose through each of us. Now, don't miss what Dr. Blackaby is saying. What Dr. Blackaby is saying is calling isn't just something that somebody does for you. Calling isn't a phone call. In my community group Wednesday night, I said, so when I say calling, what's the first thing you think about? And somebody in there said telephone, right? Because we think of calling as something that happens once and it happens between people. Calling today, we're referring to God At work, doing what he does and inviting you and I to be a part of what he is already about. And so when we do that, we have to be able to see the progression of how God uses us and calls each of us. Because some of us are sitting here today and you're saying, Chuck, I promise you God's not calling me. I mean, if you only Chuck, I, I, you know, I am Vern Bubba and Thumper from Sugar Hill, Georgia. God isn't gonna do anything with me. I don't have the pedigree. I don't have the education. I don't have whatever it is. I don't have the intellect. I don't have the desire. I don't come up with anything you want to come up with. But at the end of the day, here's what we know about the character of God and the Word of God, and that is His plan for you began before you were ever born, and His desire for you is to succeed wildly in His will. And to do that, it would be helpful for us to understand that process. And so we begin that by taking a look at a few steps that may help us understand that. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 3, we read about a guy by the name of Abraham. And in 22, the chapter of Genesis, in verse 3, it says, So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. Now, why was he doing that? He was answering what God had told him to do. Take your son Isaac, your only son Isaac, and take him up on the mountain and sacrifice him, take his life and offer him as a sacrifice. And Abraham then went and did that. Now look at this. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Now here's what I want you to see in that. God's call to Abraham, the result of of Abraham's obedience to that call was that God called him, my friend. Okay, now, church, don't miss this. If you want to put anything on your spiritual resume, wouldn't you want to put, God says, I'm his friend? You know what? Someday when they bury me, you know what? I, I pray my children will be able to put on my tombstone. My daddy wasn't the brightest guy, but he was God's friend. Wouldn't you want to know that? Abraham came along, and you know what was the prerequisite to God saying, that's my friend? Answering God's call. Isn't that amazing? You say, well, Chuck, that's simply Abraham heard from God. You know, I believe we hear from God all day, every day. We simply take our humanity and explain it away. Well, surely that's not right. Surely that can't be him. Surely that's not what's going on. You know what I've discovered that the same thing happened for Moses over in Exodus chapter three, verses one through four. You know what we find? We find that Moses is called straight out of a burning bush and God says to Moses, I want you to go. And what does he have Moses go to do? He has Moses go to recover and redeem a people who have been in captivity for hundreds of years. And Moses says, here am I, here am I. And away he goes. And it wasn't easy and it wasn't clear and he didn't know how to do it and he didn't know what was going to happen, but he answered that call. And you know what the result was? Moses answered God's call. And from that, God said, you can speak for me. Hey guys, you you, want to speak where you're at with authority? Be able to speak for God. You know what the the answer is? Be obedient to God's call and you speak for him. Over in Luke chapter one, you know what we find over in uh, verse 30 through verse 38? We find Mary. And we find that God comes to Mary and says, you're going to give birth to a son. And Mary says, whoa, how can that be? That can't happen. I'm a virgin. What is going to happen? And the Holy Spirit begins to tell her, this is what's going to happen. And you know what happens in the end of that, those verses? Mary comes together and says, whatever your will is, I'm here for you. And you know what the result was? M- Mary was the mother of our Savior. Are you beginning to see a pattern here? God calls, we answer, he blesses. God calls, we answer, he blesses. God calls, we answer, and he empowers. Now, don't miss this because it keeps going on. Over in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20, Jesus walks along the seashore in the Sea of Galilee, looks and says, hey, you guys come follow me. And he's looking at Peter and he's looking at his brother. He says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And they immediately dropped their nets and left the boat and they took off. And then Jesus went and, and called two more boys, the sons of Zebedee and said, come follow me. And they dropped their nets and immediately left their boat and their dad and they went and followed him. And you know what Jesus said? The result was of their obedience to his call. He looked at Peter and he said, you are the rock. And that's before you knew what the rock was cooking. Come on, it's better than that. (laughs) He said, upon this rock. Now, you know what's interesting Along, along Peter's life? You know what's interesting? Jesus called him the rock when he was living right, and then when he chose to live wrong, you know what Jesus would slip in? Son, you're just a pebble. See, along the way, it got pretty interesting for old Peter, didn't it? But he answered God's call, and what did Jesus say? You're the rock. Hey, guys, you want to put something on your spiritual resume? Jesus says, I'm the rock. Well, he gets better. What about what about the Apostle Paul when he was just Saul over in Acts chapter nine, verses four through six? What happens on the road to Damascus, and, and all of a sudden it's blinding light, and Saul is blinded, and 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 the Spirit of God tells him, "Here's where you're to go, and here's what you're to do." And Paul does exact, or Saul does exactly what he's supposed to do, and he become now becomes Paul. And then what happens? He. He winds up writing the bulk of the New Testament and changing the world. Do you see what happened here? We see God's call, we see our obedience and we see God's blessing. We see God's call, we see God's, our obedience and we see his empowerment. We see God's call, we see our obedience and we see lives changed. And not just ours, but those around us. You see, I really do believe when you look at calling, we first have to recognize we are called first to the person of Jesus Christ. Each one of us called to be a part of the family of God. See, here's what happened. Here we are in our sinfulness and there is God in his righteousness. Here we are in our state where we can do nothing. We offer nothing and he offers us everything. So he sends his own son, Jesus, to die for us, to live a sinless, perfect life, to shed his blood and die for us, and three days later, raise from the grave for us, that we might have life more abundantly today and eternally forever. In the middle of all that, he says, the first thing I call you to is a relationship with Jesus Christ. You see that question there in your handout where it says, have you settled your calling to follow Jesus? Some of you today literally need to stop right now and you need to pray and say, Jesus, I want to accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Please forgive me of my sin. Commend my life. I want to make a U-turn with my life. I want to live for you. I don't want to live for me anymore. And I accept your death and your burial and your resurrection as payment for my sin. And some of you today need to just say, Lord, I need you. I want to settle that calling in my life. We start with being called to the person of Jesus. But then each of us are called to the purpose of God. We're called to the purpose of God. Now, let me ask you to do something a little uncomfortable. Just swivel your head around, look at the people around you. Go ahead and look around the people. Just look around, look around, look around. I know some of you are too cool to Go ahead, look around. Okay, you know what you see? Messed up people. They're everywhere. You know how I know that? You're looking at me. I mean, I'm like the chief of messed up. And here's the good news though. God's purpose was about redeeming messed up people like us. His whole purpose was to say, I want to give you life. I want to give it to you more abundantly. His whole purpose was I want to redeem you out of the ashes of self and sin. And I want to bring you into this relationship. And so we go from being called to the person of Jesus to the purpose of God, which is all about the redemption plan of man, of serving people. And then you know what happens? Then we're called and placed on this path in our life that sometimes makes no stinking sense whatsoever. I mean, seriously, some of us have been on a path that is absolutely ridiculous. I got folks in this room right now, you, part of your path was you were, you were addicted to porn and God has delivered you from it. Some of you are addicted to alcohol and God is delivering you from it. I got a lady in this church who just now is celebrating 90 days of sobriety. I've been praying for her for 90 straight days. And you know what I'm thinking? God is at work in her life. Some of you are in a marriage that's falling apart, and you're wondering what in the world's going on. Some of you are blended families, and life is just not easy. And you're wondering, what is God doing in my life? Some of you are in a marriage that just isn't easy. You're wondering, what's going on in my life? And God's got you on a path to prepare you for something extraordinary. Because, you see, God can choose to take all of our silliness And when we surrender to His righteousness, He takes all our sin and all our silliness, and out of grace turns those into moments that He uses to accomplish His will in our life. And now it's a part of our calling. But you know, some of us, some of us are saying, "You know what? God can never use me. I'm a drunk, Chuck. So God can never use me. I'm addicted to porn, Chuck. God can never use me." I don't do that whole church. I don't even like church people, Chuck. God can never use me. And we come up with a million reasons why we've got a crutch that our calling and our story is hinging on. We're just simply leaning on the crutch instead of using it like a ladder and stepping over it, letting God have great glory through it all. So my question to you is this, if you've called or God's called and you've answered the call to the person of Jesus Christ, if God's called and he has a purpose for your life and that is about serving other people, if in your path God has allowed you to experience heartache and sorrow and trials and problems, welcome to the world and God wants to take all of those and prepare you to do something great. You know, my plan wasn't to have a blended family. My plan wasn't to have six daughters. My plan wasn't that that life would be difficult at times, and my life plan wasn't that I would struggle with different problems in my life, and yet all through that, you know what God has done, has prepared me day by day by day for something greater, something filled with more grace, something filled with more of his presence, and all the while, it's either a crutch I lean on, or it's a ladder that God puts in front of me and says, climb over it, son, I've got you. Which one do you want to pick? Because then finally he calls you to a place or a position to allow you to have great influence for his sake and his cause. And some of us, quite frankly, we answered the call to Jesus when Noah got off the boat and we've been sitting in this church or some other church for dozens of years, not doing a blessed thing, but showing up on Sunday morning and we're letting guys like this get out on the field and we're cheering for them. But did you know we were never designed to buy a ticket to watch Christianity? We were never designed to buy a ticket and watch somebody else do the work of God. We were designed to be on the field. We were designed to be with people. We were designed to love others. That's what we were made to do. And so I want to introduce my friends here. You see, I've I've known Justin Miller since he was about 17 years old, just a punk. I mean, he couldn't even grow a beard when I knew him. But when he was 19 years old, well, I'll let you tell the story.
1: Okay.
2: Well, thank you, Sugar Hill. It's always an honor to be here. Um, As Bobby mentioned earlier, it's only through your faithful prayers, your faithful giving that so many lives are being transformed in Kenya. And we'll get to that. And I want you to hear story after story of families that have been redeemed uh, because of your faithfulness. Um, but as Chuck mentioned earlier, the first decision I made in my life at a very young age was I was committing to the person of Jesus Christ. Um, and I'm very thankful that I had a family uh, very early on that made that a very high priority to, to get me in a church where I learned about that. Um, but then as time went on, um, I kind of thought that a call was something that God might give me you know, after college, after I was fully prepared to enter the world and, and live on, on mission for him. And so I lost track of that for a time, and I was just seeking my own, uh, my own gain, my own success, my own acclaim. And, and then God threw me a curveball. Um, and in, when I was 19 years old, I was at a conference in Chicago, and, um, and God showed up to Moses through a burning bush. He showed up to me through Bono. <laughs> so they're <laughs> very equally different, cool, I might equally say, yeah. cool, but, but very different, and Bono was talking about how we needed to move the church from a place of apathy and disengagement to being the leading voice and effort in responding to HIV AIDS, the greatest humanitarian crisis of our generation. But he says, we cannot lose a generation uh, without sharing with them the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as a 19-year-old, I felt compelled to to do something uh, to get my own church involved. And so I started down this path that would lead me to Kenya about a year later. And well, uh, let, me, let me interrupt for please, just a minute. So,
0: so when, when you So you, you've, you've surrendered and you've given your life to Christ. You've answered that call. Now you know God wants you to be about people. And you hear Bono, and, and God speaks to the guy with the funky sunglasses. And so you, you, you're on this path now. But let me ask you this. Did, did God lay the path out clearly for you? <laughs> I mean, did he give you like a Gantt chart that said, okay, the, on this week, this is what you do?
2: Hardly, hardly. Hardly. Um. I could have never imagined even being here today. Um, you know, in this journey, as I started to try to discover what is this purpose we're called to, um, I realized a couple things about calling. The first is is that even though we may not know all the specifics, God has revealed so much to us about who He is and His character in His Word. Um, and I, I just, as I opened up Scriptures, I found passage after passage that said that I needed to defend the oppressed and plead the cause of the fatherless, and take up the widow's cause. Um, I needed to go and make disciples, and not just across the street, but around the world. And as I started to understand God's character, um, it gave me confidence in knowing that um, I was, in fact, walking into his purpose, which, as Chuck has said, is just people. Um, Mm. It's just redeeming people, um, not in our own power, but because of what Christ does through us. And, uh, And also, I just learned through this journey that God was just asking me to start. He was just asking me to step out on that journey and start pursuing him. Um, and he said, I'll give you, I'll direct you where you need to go. I will guide your steps. So he puts I'm you on only... a path
0: that just doesn't have road signs yet.
2: No. Yeah, right. got it. Okay. Just walking. And, and he, he shows us enough. So like,
0: like Abraham, go. I don't really understand it. Like Moses, yeah. go. I don't really understand it. Like Mary, go. I don't really understand it. We yep. see the pattern here. Yep. And isn't it interesting? Here's a, here's a guy in 2013 doing the same thing that the Apostle Paul went through. And by the way, the same thing you are probably going through. Yeah.
2: And so, as a 19-year-old, um, you know, I felt like a lot like Moses in the sense that um, I was telling God, "This, you've got the wrong guy." Like, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't speak well. I'm not, uh, I'm not, you know, educated. I don't have experience. I don't have resources. Um, but nonetheless, um, I got on a plane. I went to Kenya. And I stepped off that plane, and I met two of the goofiest guys that you've ever seen in your life. And <laughs>
0: They, they are goofy. They are, they are, but I love them. Extraordinarily cool, but goofy.
2: I love them, yeah. yes, absolutely. Um, and as we went throughout, I learned their heart, and I learned that God, over at least a decade, if not 20 years, had been preparing the three of us to intersect at that point in our lives for the purpose of creating an organization that has now touched thousands of lives. And as a 19-year-old, uh, even though I was saying, God, I'm not, I'm not the one, you've got the wrong guy, um, over that time my heart began to change, and as I experienced everything that I did in Kenya, um, I felt like I had no choice but to respond, mm. and, um, and it was only through uh, stepping onto that path uh, without complete clarity, but then as I followed along that, um, God was able to bring these two men in my life that have, uh, have shaped my character, my leadership, and have been um, instrumental in Uh, deploying this great organization across Kenya.
0: Now, let me me tell you all what what he won't say. When he talks about stepping out on faith, let me help you understand this. Uh, Justin's dad's a big deal. I mean, he's like a New York Times bestselling author. I mean, the guy makes just a boatload of money. I mean, he can speak anywhere he wants to at any conference. I mean, he's a big deal, isn't he? He's a
2: big deal. Mark
0: is a big deal. A big I mean, deal. you would find it easier to get an appointment with Obama than you would with Mark. All right. I mean, this is a big deal guy. Okay. So when Justin talks about stepping out, he's talking about stepping out of the comfort of a dad who could probably set him up, a dad who could probably have provided everything for him, a dad who probably could have put him in the company he works for and probably skipped a lot of steps. But he said, but wait a minute, I've got to do something because I've been called to Jesus I've been called to the purposes of God and God's got me now on this path where he's using my experience and lack of experience for something extraordinary. And then you guys intersect on the path somewhere. Now, how did you guys connect?
2: Duncan, you want to give a little bit of your history and, um, and then how you made your way to end up
0: meeting Cornell. By the way, Dun- Duncan considers him the pretty one of the two. So, I mean, just, just y'all need to know that. Um,
1: growing up in the village in Kenya, um, my family is Christian. My dad is a pastor in the village. And um, at the age of 19, uh, 13, that's when I accepted Christ. I came to know that, you know, even growing up in a Christian family does not make you to be a Christian automatically. And uh, life was never the same again. And I cleared high school. And at the age of 23, when I was in college, seminary, uh, God brought this young little boy uh, into my life and uh, I realized he was homeless. He didn't have um, family and he was living on his own, seven-year-old, and I kind of like adopted him. And two years after that, I realized the boy was HIV infected. Um, And uh, something that was very clear is that he had gotten the virus through the parents who are long dead and It struck my heart, and God spoke to me in a very clear way that if someone had stood with the parents of George, those parents would be alive today, taking care of their son. And that's how God, you know, wrecked my heart towards caring for men and women with HIV and AIDS so that we can prevent the issue of orphans in our country. And it's at that point um, that I was with Cornell, and he has a different story and Justin had come to our country to do, you know, a documentary on HIV. Uh, he's talking about us being goofy. I can tell you this man was miserable, 19 <laughs> year old. But then, again, through God's connection, you know, it's, it's, it's a long story. I'll let Cornell take it from there. But.
2: Well, let me say that, once again, as Pastor Chuck was sharing earlier, Duncan had an opportunity to see um, the situation he was in with George as a real crutch, um, a young boy who he's now accountable for, who has HIV AIDS, and that could have really kept him from fulfilling the purpose and the call God had on his life. But instead, um, he used it as a ladder to really see an opportunity to serve. And I think Cornell has a story that also really um, could have been used uh, for bad and towards bitterness and uh, as a crutch to lean on. And instead, he's used it as an incredible platform uh, to start this ministry. So Cornell, will you share a little bit of your story? Yes, uh, I
3: come from uh, the western part of the country, Kenya. And um, growing up, my county is actually the leading in HIV AIDS. And with that, I also lost my father of HIV AIDS. And the time that I knew now about HIV AIDS in my own family, when my mother was at the last stage of HIV AIDS now dying. So my mother called me as the favorite son and to share with me everything and how I will take care of my younger brothers and sisters because she was sure now she was living. And that's when she told me that, Cornelia I have AIDS. It was hard for me. And quickly, God gave me some words that I don't know how I said them, but somehow it worked. So I told him, Mama, don't worry. I am going to stand with you. I am going to be with you. You are not going to die. I want you to remove that out of your mind that you're dying. You are not going to die. You are going to live. So I started uh, uh, being close with my mother, ministering to my own mother every day, making sure she gets the proper diet, she gets medication at the right time. And I also helped my mother to start a business so that uh, it can wake her up and get out of bed and, and, and look into something, not just sleeping in bed and waiting to die. So my mother got up started taking care of her business, and within no minute, my mother's body came well. And today, as we speak, my mother is doing extremely, extremely very well. And then... Thank you. Thank you. And then from that, I realized, and God continued to speak to me in a a still voice, that that is the direction he wants me to take. And then I went to... Uh, the central. Duncan actually is a very different tribe from mine. I'm lighter than him, of course you can see. <laughs> and, <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: so when I met him, uh, he come from central uh, part of the country, he come from western, and we are like seven hours apart. So when we met and we sh- I shared with him about my story, I realized he had the same, same story. And from there we realized this thing is not a coincidence. God is calling us together to do something. And that's when we started putting things down, how to care for men and women who are living with HIV. Because we realized if we we help them, they will be like my mother. They will Mm. live longer to take care of their children. They will live longer and hear about the message of Jesus Christ and get saved. And that's how we came together. And then finally, God also brought Justin. And then we kicked off.
0: But now when you guys guys were sitting down and... And God's got all three of you on this path, you intersect in Kenya, now you're together, you've got this cause and you've got this passion, you got this purpose, you got everything you know moving. And there's still real no clarity. It's not like God, you know, said, Hey, you build this. But in the middle of all that, God speaks to you and you're dreaming big for God, and you're thinking, How many centers could we build? And the, the number you were thinking about was what? Five. Five centers. Which Jesus, which five, five centers is big. I mean, from, from, from going to, hey, you know, I've, I've, I've got a little boy with AIDS. I've got a dad who's passed away with AIDS and a mom with AIDS. And now some wacky American kid shows up to take a film. And all of a sudden we figure we've got it all together. Now, by the end of the year, how many centers will we have? Nineteen. Nineteen, 19. this year. Wow. Um, so in the, in, the, in the church, in the center that we... Uh, started partnering with you on in 2012. Uh, do we have a Do we have a picture of that that we can put up, guys? Can you find that for us? But in the middle of all that, before while they find the picture, uh, tell us what's God doing in that church that, that we're supporting. What's going on there?
3: That church is Nyalenda Baptist in uh, the slums called uh, called uh, Nyalenda. And, um, Yalena. Yeah,
0: nyale-
3: Y'all say that with me.
0: <laughs> Yalena. Come on, you put a little Kenyan in it. What is it? Nyalinda. You say like I do. Over in <laughs> <Over yonder. laughs> Yeah, Over yonder. Yeah, over yonder. Right? Over in <laughs> Kenya. Over. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry.
3: So in Nyalenda, uh, since we started, <laughs> in Nyalinda, since we started, which Sugar in is also su- supporting this church. Uh, we, also, we already have 373 people who have given their life to Jesus Christ. First oh, time. come on.
0: 373 people. Yes.
3: And, and right now, we have nine children who are born from our pa- program with both parents, HIV positive, but the children, all of them, are HIV negative.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Yes. Now we're talking. So, yeah. so
3: today... The parents are smiling very big because they, they, their body is back, they are doing well, and they can see children who are HIV negative going to live uh, to the next level. So they're very happy. And, and, yeah. and there are so many, uh, so many of them like that.
0: Don't, don't we have a picture of, uh, of, of the lady who kind of runs? Yes. And stuff for us? Can you frame that picture, guys? Or not? We, we have a picture. There you go. That's a,
3: that's a picture of uh, Monica which is uh, one of our staff taking care of uh, uh, David. When we met him uh, actually we were feeding him. He could not feed himself. He was, he was like my mother waiting to die. So we started taking good care of him. By that time he did not know the Lord. He was not saved. Hopeless, only alone at home, rejected by the family members because he's dying of HIV and people dying of HIV aids are considered to be promiscuous in our community. Mm. So the only friends he had was us and, 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 and the, the friends from the church. So we started taking good care of him and less than two weeks, David body started responding positive. He started waking up, getting out of the bed and just at the doorstep. Today, as we speak, David is taking care of his own business. He's alive. Wow. He accepted Jesus Christ and
2: Lord and Savior. Wow. Let me. Um, when I took this picture of David a few months ago, he had already gained about ten or fifteen pounds. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine. And as today, if you'd see him, he doesn't look anything like this. He's continued to grow in his health. But um, I'll just add to this story that David actually accepted Christ when a team that came from Georgia uh, went to Kasumu. And took the time to go visit him in his home. Wow. Um, and that's a big part of what our ministry is in Kenya, if you guys go and serve with us next year, is going into people's homes. And we have such a, an audience with them, and they, we earn their trust because we care enough to come and see him and do life with them and hear their story. And he gave his life to Christ, and, and, and as you can tell, um, that smile has never been... Uh, brighter and and more hopeful for the future uh, because he knows his relationships in Christ.
0: Amen. So today, the reason why we invited our friends to come join us is it's really pretty simple, as you can tell. Your life and the calling on your life really isn't any different than theirs. Maybe God's called you to start a Bible study in your office. Maybe God's called you to reach out to the neighbor across the street. Maybe God's called you to choose today that I'm going to try to start making a difference for for Jesus. Maybe you've made a bad, awful, terrible, rotten choice in your past, and God wants to use that to tell a great story through his grace and his redemption. Maybe you're here today and you've gone through something in life that you thought God could never use you for again, and yet God says, come on, you're my boy, you're my girl, I got you. I want to use you to change the world. You see, you look at the the process of what God does in our life. And what we begin to understand is that God, in his infinite wisdom, looked at our mess, looked at our life and said, you know what, I, I, I love them. I've got this great plan for them to succeed wildly. I want them to change the world. I've got this plan for them if they'd only listen and obey. And today, maybe Jesus is knocking on your door saying, hey, hear that call and answer me today. Maybe today what he's saying is, I've got this great plan, come be a part of all of my purpose about helping redeem people and share the love of Christ with people and love on people. Maybe today you're in the middle of a path. You're out of a job or you're in need of a job or your marriage has gone south or your relationship with your kids are bad or maybe everything in life just isn't as it was supposed to be. But God can redeem all of that in that path and now use it to have a great testimony. Maybe today some of us need to get out of the bleachers and get onto the field of living as followers of Christ, as Christians that make a difference. We're going to get out of the bleachers and get on the field and answer God's calling. We may not know like Justin didn't know. We may not know exactly what God wants us to do. We just know he wants us to do something. And maybe some of us today would say, as Hector leads us, you know what I want to do? I, I want to give everything I've got to Christ. I want to give everything I've got to Christ. You know, what they, I'd love to put baskets up here and say, come give money. I'd, I'd, love to, I'd love to give you something you got to write a check for and let's do another center and, and there'll be a time for that, I, I, I promise you but, but you know what I really believe in my heart? I believe in my heart there are men and women who are sitting here and you know that you know that you know. Deep down in your heart, maybe you've never told your spouse, maybe you've never told your kids, maybe you've never even been honest looking in the mirror, but you know that you know that you know that God wants to do something more with you than what you've ever considered. You know that God wants to do something extraordinary with your life, but you simply won't take one step. I promise you, if you'll take one step, he'll propel you another 30. But he's just waiting on you to answer his call some of you today, as Hector sings, you know what I'm going to ask you to do? I'm going to ask you to just come to this altar and just say, I'm, I, today, I'm, I, I'm laying it down. I'm, I'm going to answer this call, and I don't even know what it means, but I'm going to. I'm going to ask you to unashamedly just stand and get out of your chair, come here, and just pray. Some of you say, well, I don't want to go up front. I don't want to be a show Fine, Just turn around and kneel right at your chair. And you know, I've said it before. There's nothing magical about this altar. There's nothing magical about this step. But there's something that is awesome when we get our absolute total posture proper before God, on our knees before a holy and a righteous God and just said, I surrender. I know you've got me, but I want to answer your call. I want, I, I, I want, to, I want to know the person, Jesus. I want, to, I want to be directly and perfectly in this purpose of God. I know in my path, God wants to use me. So let's stand and sing. And as God tugs on your heart, you come and you just come and make it real this day.